0: that you would, as we come to your word, speak to us and live in our hearts, open our eyes to see the beauty of your grace. And I pray that you would give us what we need. If we need to be broken, I pray that you would break us. If we need to be healed, I pray that you would heal us. Speak to your word now as it goes forth for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you to take a seat. And if you have a copy of God's Word. I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Jonah. If you're not sure where Jonah is in the Bible, just find a child around you and they will likely sing a song and eventually you will, you'll figure it out. You'll find out <laughs> yeah, where it is. Now, if you're not sure, table of contents is especially helpful. Jonah. It's a book in the Old Testament. Our typical practice here at Trace Crossing that, Lord willing, will continue to be, our practice here is uh, journeying through books of the Bible verse by verse. Um, this, this past Friday, I had the opportunity to be interviewed by one of our students here at TCPS uh, about the, the inspiration of the Bible. He's, he's doing some research for a paper, and we were able to discuss uh, that, what it means that God inspired the Bible. Um, And so we were able to talk about um, The fact that those original autographs Those original works in the Hebrew and the Greek When they were first written They were breathed out by God Which means that they are inspired And they are inerrant And because of that Because of that truth, because of that confession that we hold, we preach the word. So our desire every time we preach, even if we're preaching on a topic, but we're coming from the word, our desire is to show you what the word actually says because we believe every single word in this book to be inspired by God himself. And so we practice exegetical and expositional preaching, which basically just means we don't start with an idea and then go to scripture to try to find a match. We go to the word and see what it says and then deal with it. So we've decided over the next six weeks to walk through the book of Jonah. Now, I want to share with you, even before we read uh, the first three verses, which is what we're going to be talking about today, three reasons that I believe it's really important for us to walk through the book of Jonah, especially right now. Reason number one we are prone to forget the power of God's grace. Now, we talk about God's grace all the time, but I think that as we become more and more familiar with God's grace, we Forget, or maybe we underestimate the power of God's grace. You know, it's it's those who persevere to the end that will be saved. The, The Bible is very clear that there will be people who will have moments where they say that they are trusting in Jesus and they will be admitted into church membership. And then at some point in their life, they may turn away. They may reject Jesus. They may turn away from the faith. And so that's why Jesus says it's only those who persevere until the end who will be saved. Well, how could we ever persevere on our own? Maybe you're here this morning and your faith in Jesus is really, really, really weak. And you feel like it's, you know, it's almost, I'm almost done. Too much has happened. He's been too silent. This doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel right. I, I just don't know. Maybe you're really struggling like that. How how could you persevere until the end when tragedy strikes? Or when sin just seems to continue dominating us? You, You have a sin struggle and you've shared it in life group and you've shared it with maybe an accountability partner and you have personally been praying and your spouse knows. And yet again, it rears its ugly head and you can't overcome. Sin is powerful. Satan is powerful. How could we persevere if not for the power of God's grace? God, you will persevere because God will preserve you by his grace. The book of Jonah is all about the power of God's grace. We're going to talk in a few minutes about a prophet of the Lord who completely rejects the mission of God completely rejects it runs in the opposite direction and god pursues him we're going to talk about a people a civilization the assyrians the ninevites some of the most evil people in the history of the world i mean seriously in the history of the world the the history is well recorded we have seen what they have done and few groups of people have done worse than the ninevites and the assyrians And we're gonna see in the book of Jonah that God sends his own prophet from his own people to go to them. His grace is really, really powerful. We're prone to forget it. So I pray that as we walk through Jonah, you would be reminded of it. The second reason we need to preach through Jonah is we are prone to limit the scope of God's grace so we underestimate its power we forget its power but a lot of times we limit its scope we think that god's grace is only for certain kinds of people and even though you're like man that sounds really bad and in principle you're like no no i know that's not true i know god's grace extends to all peoples of all nations well how does that play out in your life to whom do you extend grace Do you extend grace to all kinds of people in our city? Or do you extend grace to people who are a lot like you? Because you're like, hey, of course I should receive grace. So others who are like me, yeah, we'll talk about grace. We limit the scope of God's grace. That's what Jonah does. He's like, nah, you want to extend grace to the Ninevites? I don't want any part of that. They're too bad. They're too far gone. What about your own evangelism? Maybe there's someone in your life and you're like, there is absolutely no chance, no chance that they will ever come to faith in Jesus. It's over. Don't limit the scope of God's grace because it's wider than you could ever imagine and deeper than we could ever hope. So we're prone to forget the power. We're prone to limit the scope and then The third reason, we are prone to neglect the purpose of God's grace. Oh, how often we need this reminder that we have received God's grace not just to enjoy it for ourselves, we have received it to share it. God's grace comes to us because it's supposed to spread through us to our neighbors and to the nations. What a reminder the book of Jonah was for the people of Israel. You are my chosen people. You are a treasured possession. But... I'm after the nations too. I'm sending you to the nations too. My grace is not just for you, it is for them. The purpose of God's grace is not just that we would be forgiven of our sins and and have a ticket into heaven. The purpose of God's grace is that we would be radically transformed and that as we start to image God more and more, year by year, that we invite others in to drink from this well of grace as well. So, three reasons. We're prone to forget the power of God's grace. We're prone to limit the scope of God's grace. And we are prone to neglect the purpose of God's grace. Now, if you're in Jonah now, maybe, maybe you found it by now. Jonah chapter one. Um, we're going to divide Jonah. The, the beautiful thing about Jonah, you could preach it so many ways. You could preach the entire book of Jonah in one sermon. And some of you are probably like, why don't we just do that? Let's just go to short round. Um, You could take like a John MacArthur route or a John Piper route, and you could probably preach Jonah over the next four years. I don't know how those bros like. Somehow they they tend to do that. Like Piper, it took him like 15 years to preach through Romans. Um, It's like you don't have to take a chapter a year, bro. You know, (laughs) 16 years. eh. Anyway, um, so but what we've decided to do is to go over the next six weeks, which will take us all the way to spring break. We are going to look through the book of Jonah, and so. Chapter 1, we're going to look at for the next three weeks, which means this morning we're only going to look at the first three verses. And if you're really familiar with the story, you're going to be really tempted to go ahead and start drawing conclusions. But I want to I give you some pause here, okay? So, like, we're going to be forced to ask a question within these first three verses that the answer is actually given in chapter 4, okay? We, we learn the answer in chapter 4, but we're not given the answer in chapter 1, So if you're familiar with the story, I want you to try to act like you don't know the answer to the the question that is naturally raised by especially verse three. So let's read this together, okay? I'm gonna read uh, verses one through three from the English Standard Version. Just follow along with me. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Hold your place in Jonah. Turn really fast to the end of Matthew, Matthew 28. Jonah 1, 1 through 1-3, God gives a very clear call to Jonah. It's very clear. It's not specific for us. We don't, we don't know the content. He doesn't share exactly what he wants Jonah to say. But the command could not be more clear. Arise and go to Nineveh and preach against it. Arise and go. That was the call. At the end of Matthew, Matthew 28, after Jesus resurrected he he gathers with his disciples in verse 16 we read this now the 11 disciples went to galilee to the mountain to which jesus had directed them and when they saw him they worshiped him but some doubted probably would too (laughs) if i'd seen a guy die and then he's walking around again like i'd probably doubt my own sanity for for a minute there anyway verse 18 and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Okay. And baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. But verse 19, go and make disciples. Go. Go. It's pretty clear, right? It is clearly a command, something Jesus tells his disciples, something Jesus tells the church today, something Jesus is saying to you this morning. Go and make disciples. This clear call from God. If you look back in Jonah, this call from God is a call to mission. And we learn more of the specifics of it later in chapter three and chapter four. But we don't need much more to know what's happening here. God is calling his prophet to go to a sinful nation to preach against it, to warn it of coming judgment. And most of the time, there were instances where the prophets were used to just pronounce judgment. Judgment's coming, period, nothing to do about it. But often, a warning is given with hopes of a turn of repentance. So the mission is clear. And then in verse three, Jonah's response could not be clear either. He says, or it's, we, we read of Jonah, but Jonah rose to flee. He rose to flee. He ran away from the mission of God. And a question I want to ask you right at the beginning of our study of Jonah is are we doing the same thing? Is that what someone could write of us if they were writing the story of our lives? The the word of the Lord came to the church at Trace Crossing and said, go therefore and make disciples. And the church rose up to flee. prayer is that that would not be true of us but what I want us to do this morning is as we're looking at these three verses we see two specific actions one on the part of God a clear call to mission one on the part of Jonah an escape from that mission so, if you're a note taker, I have, I have two main points, and then I have a third point that I hope becomes a point of every single one of our sermons through the book of Jonah, which is Jesus as the greater Jonah. We're going to see later that Jesus refers to himself as the greater Jonah every single week. I want to show one aspect of how Jesus is the greater Jonah, but as we break down the first three verses, I have two points for the sermon. One is God's call to mission, and two is Jonah's escape from mission. So let's let's look at these let's look at these together. There are two human or you know man characters in this text. We have God obviously, but then we have Jonah and the Ninevites. Now, just so you have a little background information about Jonah, even though we have this fantastic story about him and all these details of these specific events that happened, we really don't know very much about Jonah. There are some some wild legends about about Jonah uh, that are out there, uh, but it's just most of it is speculation. There is only one specific connection we have, and it's it's uh, back in Second Kings fourteen. We know that that Jonah was a prophet during the reign of Jeroboam II, who reigned in Israel during the 8th century. We're pretty sure that that's, that's the same, same person. And, and I'm not going to make you turn there, but you can turn there later at 2 Kings 14.25 if anyone missed that. But he prophesied during Israel's return to power. Okay? And so the majority of, of the mission that, that God gave to Jonah was one of prophesying to the people that God's favor is upon them. This this assurance. It was like it was a ministry of assurance to them. God has not forgotten you. God will not reject you. God is here. You are His people. That's a fun ministry, okay? Where you get to encourage, 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 encourage. And Jonah was all for it. He was down. He was down for that mission. Then we have Nineveh. Nineveh is a major city. Was a major city in the Assyrian Empire, and uh, throughout its history. It was one of the most evil, brutal, blood-soaked, wicked cities in the world. I, I thought about, I found a great excerpt that actually described some of the things that happened in Nineveh, and I was like, um, I would probably have to ask some of the children to leave to share it with you, or anyone with weak stomachs. It, brutal, horrid, awful think Nazi Germany you're 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 pretty close you're pretty close that that's Nineveh an evil evil wicked generation and it's the Assyrians who would in the same century years later they would eventually conquer Israel so that's what's coming the future from the book of Jonah and the events that happen here are the Assyrians, the very people that, Jonah is going to, that the Lord is calling Jonah to go to, those very people are going to conquer Israel and take them into exile. The Lord's gonna use them to, to discipline his people. But that's the people that we're talking about here. And these two specific actions reveal both the, the great grace of God Oh, and how foolish and rebellious we can be. So in God's call to mission, I want to emphasize three aspects of this call. Let's let's read it one more time in verse 1 and 2. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Okay. So, so, God's call to mission. Three aspects here. First, God's call to mission is rooted in God's authority. God's call to mission is rooted in God's authority. Notice that the Lord does not ask Jonah if he wants to go, he doesn't care. He doesn't say, Hey, Jonah, I, I have an idea. You know, there's this. You know, the Ninevites are over there, and I know what I know. What you're already thinking? They're real bad, and you know, but but I'm I'm really good, and I just I think it might be a good idea for you to go. What are your thoughts? No, he doesn't consult Jonah. The Lord of Heaven and Earth, in all authority, commands his servant to go. He doesn't ask him for his approval. He doesn't need his permission or advice or input the sovereign lord of heaven and earth commands jonah to go and it's that same god who commands us to go he commands with full authority what does jesus say all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me and so as an as flowing out of that authority is this command go therefore on mission for me the Lord says to Jonah, go on mission for me to Nineveh. And this language, uh, especially, arise, arise and go. It's not like Jonah was like taking a nap. Arise and like go. Yo. You know, he wakes up and then he's like, now go to Nineveh, quit sleeping. Now that's not the point. The point in this language is to call it out immediately. Immediately go. Stop what you're doing. Go to Nineveh. And he does it because God has all authority. He has the right. Jonah doesn't have the right to think about it for a minute. Well, okay, I hear you. Give me a minute. And maybe, maybe you have done that in some areas. Maybe the Lord has called you specifically to do something. And you're like, I need some time. Hang on. Especially when we have clear commands from his word. Put sin to death. Yeah, 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 I hear you, but this one's really nice. This one's really nice. I don't really want to kill it. It Makes me happy, you know? You don't have the right to argue with God's authority. He has the right to command us to do whatever he wants us to do. So God's call to mission is rooted in God's authority. Second, God's call to mission is is the expression of his will. And this is its really an implied point. This isn't something that's explicitly stated, and it's kind of obvious. But I do want us to spend a couple minutes thinking about it. Arise and go to Nineveh. That call to mission is an expression of God's will. So God is not like us, where we sometimes do things that we don't want to do, you know? or we we have to kind of fight against our will in order to do the right thing. No, God's will and his actions are completely consistent. He always does what he wants, always. And so whenever we see a rise and go to Nineveh, what God clearly wants is for Jonah, his prophet, to go to a wicked Gentile nation and preach against it. It's what he wants. He wants that to happen. So, When Jesus calls us to go with the gospel into our neighborhoods, into the city, into the nations, into our families, to make disciples, it's it's kind of a simple reminder, but it's one I think we need to think about for a minute. It's because that's what he wants okay? He's not just doing it because he's like, well, this is the right thing. This is what probably should happen. I'm upset about it because you guys have sinned so much against me, but I guess this is the good and noble thing to do. No, God wants this. He wants the Ninevites. The Ninevites. The most wicked people on the face of the earth at the time. God wants them. He says, Jonah, I want you to go to them to warn them. If they don't turn to me, They're ruined. Warn them that judgment is coming. It's what he wants. Is that not amazing that God wanted to send someone with the gospel to you? He wanted that. You see them? You see them? They're in sin. They're in sin. They're not trusting in my son. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to them because I want them. I want them to turn from their sin and trust me. How amazing is that? That your most lost friend, the person that you think is completely beyond hope, God is saying to you, go to them. And it's his will. It's what he wants. God's call to mission is the expression of his will, which means, kind of on a different note, if you're searching for God's will, one of the first places you need to search is his word because his word reveals his will. The word of God at every single point reveals what God wants. It's not always clear to us, right? Sometimes it takes a lot of work. To, to understand certain things in the Bible. But then, just like the Great Commission, some of it's really abundantly clear what God wants. God wants you to be like Him, He wants that. God wants you to kill sin in your life. That's what He wants. Never grow callous to the fact that God wants you and He wants all of the sinners who don't know Him that are in your life and he wants you to take the gospel to them. Maybe if we thought about it like that, not, okay, the the commander has given me a command and I need to fulfill this duty. Maybe for you, you need to hear, my father has said, hey, son, daughter, this is what I want you to do today. I want you to take this grace that you have received from me to someone else. That's what I want. God's call to mission is the expression of his will. But, and then thirdly, God's call to mission is connected to his presence. So it's rooted in his authority, it's the expression of his will, and it's connected to his presence. Now we have to go down to verse three to see this. But in verse three, it says, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, here's what we need to understand. Jonah is a prophet of God. So he's not foolish here. He doesn't actually think that if he goes to a different location, like if he leaves Israel, that since the Lord is since God is the God of Israel that somehow he doesn't have jurisdiction like you know in Tarshish, like he doesn't have authority over there or that he can somehow escape the the boundaries of the Lord's presence. Jonah knows that there are no boundaries to the Lord's presence. He knows that. He knows that God is the creator of heaven and earth and it all belongs to him and he is omnipresent in all of it. That's not what Jonah's saying. Jonah's not saying, okay, I, I, don't, I don't like this. I don't like what I'm hearing, so I'm going to get away from God. Now, if I stay where I am, if I stay in Israel, then you know, the Lord can still get me. But if I can just get out of Israel, then he can't get me anymore. That's, that's not the point. The point is, Jonah is essentially saying, I'm done with you. I'm done. To know God is to be on mission with him. You can't reject the mission of God and keep God. It doesn't work that way. God's purpose in having a people is for those people to be like him and to do his will. And if you are in opposition to the will and authority of God, you don't get God. Okay? You can't have the presence of God and forsake his mission. The mission of God and the presence of God are linked. They're connected. So if you if you oppose God's mission, you are just opposing God. And you will not enjoy his presence. You will not enjoy his presence if you oppose his mission. When you run from the mission of God, you're just running from God. You're just running from God. Okay. So God's call to mission. It's it's rooted in his authority. It's the expression of his will. And it's connected to his presence. That's, That's God's call to mission. Now, second, let's look at Jonah's escape from mission. Let's look at the nature of Jonah's flight. So that, the, there are three aspects of his, of his escape that mirror the, the three aspects of God's call. So when we look at verse three, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. Man, I, I really wanted to make sure we knew where he was going, Tarshish, Tarshish, Tarshish. Away from the presence of the Lord. So um, first, Jonah's escape from God's mission is rebellion against God's authority. Look at the call in verse two. Notice the the, the symmetry here. Notice how how it mirrors in verse two and verse three. First, arise, go to Nineveh. And then verse three, expected. You actually see it in 1 Kings 17. You You see it there in all other places in the Bible. When the Lord says, arise, go do this, the next thing would be, and he rose up. And did it. And you see the irony here. This, whoever wrote Jonah is just so clever. It says, but Jonah rose up to flee. He rose to flee. And what's being communicated here is, is immediate disobedience. Whereas immediate obedience was required, Jonah immediately disobeyed. And as he's immediately disobeying the mission of God, he is directly rebelling against the authority of God. Jonah is essentially saying, you don't have the right to tell me where I'm supposed to go or what I'm supposed to do. Jonah, though, you remember 2 Kings? During the reign of Jeroboam, it was through the ministry of Jonah. So Jonah, in the past, has been faithful to the will of God. He has been a faithful prophet doing what the Lord wants him to do. And so since Jonah here is no longer living in obedience to the Lord, but instead is running from his call to mission, here's what we see, that Jonah obeyed God on his own terms. I will be faithful to you as long as it lines up with what I think is good and right. Are we in danger of the same thing? Where we will obey the Lord in ways that are comfortable for us. But if He calls me to do anything that would get me out of my comfort zone or to possibly fail, I'm not doing that. We try to set the agenda, but the Lord is the one with the authority, not you, not me. We don't get to obey Him on our terms. We don't get to set the agenda for his mission. Sure, we will go to those who don't know the gospel, but only certain kinds of people or only certain kinds of places. Someone else can can figure the rest of it out. Now we don't have that right. The Lord is the one with the authority. And every single time you disobey the will of God, you're just rebelling. You're just rebelling against his authority. Uh, theologian from the past, Abraham Kuyper, um, he, he warns us that we are all inclined to this. So it's, it's, it's a good warning for us this morning, but here's what Kuyper says. Our heart is continually inclined to rebel against the Lord our God, so ready to rebel that oh so gladly were it but for a single day We would take from his hands the reins of his supreme rule, imagining that we would manage things far better and direct them far more effectively than God. Do we sometimes think that? That we know best? If we had God's authority even for just one day, we imagine that we would do things better than he. Maybe the Lord is calling you to do something that doesn't make a lot of sense to you right now. Jonah, whenever he encountered that, believed the lie that he knew best. Instead, we must submit all things to the Lord and trust that he knows best. So Jonah's escape is rebellion against God's authority. But second aspect here, Jonah's escape from God's mission is rejection of God's will. And this is, this is how it happens for us, maybe not even in, in terms of mission, but in terms of discipleship, in terms of, of uh, putting sin to death and putting on righteousness and holiness. Jonah didn't like what God wanted. Now it's not revealed here, it's a little bit of speculation, but clearly since he's getting up and going as far as he possibly can. By the way, do you know where Tarshish is? Okay. Uh, and no one's real sure where it was. No one's real sure exactly where it was, but most people now, and there have been more archaeological digs, and we've learned a lot more about what that day was like. The thought is that Tarshish is actually on the west coast of Spain, on the Atlantic coast. Now, at that time, that's that's the end of the world as far as they knew it. So Jonah, he's called to go east, To Assyria, He's called to go east to around where Iraq Iraq and and Iran are today. To Nineveh. He's called to go east. And he immediately gets up and he goes west. And he gets on a boat and he's like, take me as far away from this place as you can possibly go. And they're like, oh, that's that ship over there to Tarshish. Never going to see those bros again. He goes as far away as he possibly can because... He didn't like what God liked. He didn't want what God wanted. God wanted Jonah to go to Nineveh. And it's not because Jonah was afraid something might happen to him if he went to Nineveh, although he probably should have been. Jonah didn't want Nineveh included. Now, this grace is for us it's not for them what are you thinking so a question for you you have an option every single time your will doesn't match God's will and it happens a lot for us right where we want something and God wants something else and it it comes in tension we are so prone to do what we want to do and just ignore and reject what God wants In your life, there will always be a Tarshish. There will always be a place to try to escape the presence of the Lord. There will always be a place, an avenue, a website, a relationship. There will always be an outlet of escape from God's will. The end of your will, when it comes in tension with God's, is destruction every single time. So if God's call on your life, much like Jonah, just doesn't make sense right now, just doesn't make sense, I would encourage you to pause. Because if you're in a moment where you are connected and tied to your desires that are coming in tension with God's, you will choose escape because we are so prone to reject what God wants. I would encourage you to pause. I would encourage you to share what you feel God has called you to do and why you think it doesn't make sense and why you want something that God doesn't want with someone else. Because if you rush to make a decision, you will likely choose your will over and against God's. Jonah's escape from God's mission is rejection of God's will. One more aspect, and then a little application. Jonah's escape from God's mission is not just rebellion against God's authority, it's not just rejection of God's will, it is desertion of God's presence. Two times Two times the author tells us that Jonah fled the presence of the Lord. It's like he he wanted to go to Tarshish to get away from the presence of the Lord. Says it twice in verse 3. That means it's really important. Jonah wanted no part of God anymore because he didn't like his mission. He was not on board with the mission of God for his life. He was not on board for the call of God on his life. So he's like, I'm out. And so, what a grave warning to us today. If you abandon God's clear call to mission, if you abandon it, if you abandon your responsibility to make disciples of all nations, if we abandon that, we abandon God. We cannot, as I've said, you cannot enjoy God's presence if you reject his mission It doesn't work that way because of what we said. If you reject the mission of God, you're rejecting the will of God and if you reject the will of God, you are rebelling against the authority of God and you are saying, you don't know best, I know best. What you want is not best. What I want is best. Your mission doesn't make sense to me and I don't want to do it. So I'm out. If that's your stance, you can't then also say, but I want in your family. I just want out on the mission of your family. I want to be counted in your people. I want to be included so that I don't have to face your wrath, but I'm out on obedience to you. I'm out on your mission. You can think of it in terms of the theological language of justification and sanctification. I'm all in on justification. Please, God, justify me on the basis of Jesus' work on, be, on my behalf. Declare me innocent, although I am guilty. We're all in on that because that's something that God does unilaterally for us in Jesus. But we, some of us may be out on sanctification. I don't want to grow. I, I have to do something. I have to work. I have to move toward Christ-likeness. I'm out. I'm out on that. But I want in on justification. It doesn't work that way. Because the purpose of God's grace is to transform you and change you so that you become not just someone who enjoys God's presence, but someone who in the power of God's presence goes as an image bearer into all the world proclaiming the glories of God's grace so that others would come in, so the family would expand. If you try to run from God's mission, you're just running from God. He's not going with you. It's a grave warning. Abandoning God's cause, abandoning God. Jonah's escape from God's mission is desertion of God's presence. So another question I want to ask us, just really as we, as we wrap things up, why do you think Jonah ran? Now, this is where, if you know the story, and I've I've kind of included, I tried not to, but I kind of included some of those details. If you know Jonah 3 and Jonah 4, you know why he ran. But let's just speculate for a minute. Let's try to get inside the head of Jonah. Because I think if we can try to get inside his head, we might be able to get inside our own hearts for a minute. Why did Jonah run? What's at the bottom of it, you know? Like, what's the reason that he ran? Sure, you know he's he when he's doing it, he's rebelling against God and he's rejecting God's will and he's actually leaving God's presence because he's leaving God's mission. But why? Why? At the bottom of all of it is a failure to trust God. It's a failure to trust. We run from God when we fail to trust Him. We run from His mission when we fail to trust Him. Why did Jonah run? Because Jonah did not trust that God knew best. So he rebels against his authority. You know, the way children do with their parents. You you experience this if you have children. you, You tell your children to do something that you know is good and right for them to do. And they rebel against your authority most of the time because they're like, first of all, I don't like that. And second, that sounds dumb. You don't know best. I do. I know what's best for me. They're not trusting you, you know? And every single time you turn away from God's mission or you question him or you doubt him or you rebel against him, it's because you're not trusting that he knows best. He has called us to take the gospel to where the gospel is not. That's going to require a lot of sacrifice. A lot of sacrifice, even if you're not the one to go to those places. It requires sacrifice for us to send people to those places. And it obviously requires sacrifices to go with the gospel where it is not. And it's it's true of our city, too. Have you ever actually tried to intentionally share the gospel with someone else? You're taking a risk. You're taking a risk of a relationship being ended forever. You're taking a risk of being embarrassed. It's a real risk. We don't need to minimize that. You have to sacrifice You know, if you actually put the energy and the time in to thinking how to best disciple someone, you're going to have to sacrifice some time. Like, you know, get home at night, and the the first thing I want to do after a long day is just, you know, sit on the couch with with Erica and and watch Netflix. Like, that's what what we want to do. It would take sacrifice for all of us to spend the additional time meditating and thinking, okay, I have this person I've been meaning to call. What can I say to them that would be especially encouraging? Or there's this person in my life that doesn't know Jesus and I know them. What works with them? Like what language do they speak? How could I take the gospel and communicate it without losing its content in a way that fits well with their worldview? Like that takes work and sacrifice. You can't do any of that unless you're trusting that God's plan for his grace to spread to all nations, is best. And his plan to use you in all of your flaws and all of your brokenness is best. You have to trust him. Jonah also, he didn't trust that what God wants is best. And when it comes to the mission of God to reach this city and to reach our nations, which is the mission of this church, with the gospel, it's what he wants, and what he wants is best. And just generally, what God wants for your life is best, even and especially if it's held in tension with what you want for your life. So we have to do what's very hard for us to naturally do, and it's trust God. Trust that even though this doesn't make sense to me right now, it doesn't make sense to me why you would want this. Because what I want is a good and holy thing. What I want is good and you're not giving it to me. So you must want something else for me. That's where we have to get on our knees and in our tears cling to God and trust him and ask him to help us when we don't. So trusting God's will for your life is especially difficult when God's will for your life doesn't match up with your own. And a lot of people spend a lot of time and a lot of pages trying to think through what God's will is for their life. And most of it is contained in the Bible and then specific specific choices that we make. God's will for your life today as you sit right here is to be faithful to him where he has you. Because you are where you are because God wants you there. So be faithful to what he has entrusted to you with the time that he entrusted to you. Be faithful. That's God's will for your life today. Now I don't know what God's will is for your life tomorrow. He does. So don't run from him. Trust that what he wants is best. And so if if you're not trusting that God knows best and you're not trusting that what he wants is best, you know what you're not doing? You're just not trusting God. And that's what Jonah failed to do. He failed to trust God. And when we don't trust God, what will we do? We will run. Adam and Eve, all the way in the beginning, what did they do? They didn't trust God. And so they ran to a tree and they ate. They didn't trust him. We will do the same thing. And as I said, there will always, always, always be a place to flee. Always be a place to flee from the presence and from the will and from the authority of God. You can run from his mission. You can. You can run from it. Satan will make sure there is a place for you to run. And he will make it seem really appealing to you. But I want to encourage you. God has given us just as clear a mission in the the final words of Jesus before he ascends as Jonah had here at the very beginning. And we look at Jonah and we say, how could he do that? The better question is, how could we? How could we neglect the mission of God? I pray that we wouldn't. One, one more thing I want us to look at, finally. Jonah's messed up here. He has clearly failed. Jesus tells us in Matthew 12 that he is the greater Jonah. Jonah. How is Jesus the greater Jonah? Well, first, Jesus fully and always submitted to his father's authority. Okay, Jonah hears from God and his authority, and he rebels against it. He turns from it. He runs away. Jesus never did that in his life. Even in his wrestling in the garden, right? He always, at every single point, fully submitted to his father's authority. And then secondly, he always agreed with and obeyed his father's will. What what the father wanted, the son wanted. Every single time, even when it meant pain and anguish and suffering for the son, he still wanted what his father wanted. And even in the Garden of Gethsemane, where there is tension, and, and he's wrestling with God's will, what does he say at the very end? Not my will but yours be done not my will but yours so every single time that you fail to say that and instead you say to the Lord what Jonah did not your will but mine be done remember Jesus because you have a perfect substitute in him he stood in your place and said what you and I so often fail to say your will be done not mine And finally, Jesus was not just a great example for how we should live. Jesus never ran from God. He never did what Jonah did. He never turned away from God's mission. Ever. Not once. And yet, Jesus was forsaken. Jesus was abandoned. Jesus was cut off from the presence of God. Not because he ran because we have because you run from God Jesus was cut off from the very presence of God so that you could be brought back in through the atonement of Jesus through his work on the cross he suffers every single thing that we deserve to suffer for all of our rebellion all of our rejection all of our running Jesus endured it so that by faith in him you a runaway rebel would be reconciled and brought in as a son or daughter of the Most High God. So in the power of that gospel that we have received, may we not rebel against God's authority, may we not reject his will, may we not run from his presence, but instead in the power of the grace that he has given us, go to those who don't have it. Go to those who have not heard. May we respond to God's call, arise and go to Nineveh by rising up and going, not rising up and fleeing. Let me pray for us. Father, you are glorious, you are mighty, you are, are a global, universal God. Your presence is not limited to any territory. Your authority is not limited in any way. You have full authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth, over all things, all creatures. Everything belongs to you because you made it. You have the right command your people to do whatever your will desires we don't have the right to question you we don't have the right to rebel against you we don't have the right to come up with our own way but father we are so tempted to do that and we are so prone to do that it is so easy for us to ignore the great commission it is so easy for us to ignore your mission for us, to take the gospel where it is not believed and where it is not known, where it has never been heard. It's easy for us to, to turn away from your mission, but I pray that this morning was a, a warning for us that we can't ignore your mission without rebelling against you and without rejecting your will and without losing your presence. Spurning your mission is a loss for us, not you. Your will will be accomplished. It will be done. Father, I pray that you would accomplish your purposes for the advancement of the gospel through us. I pray we would not get in the way so that you would have to cast us aside for the mission to be accomplished. May we instead be more than willing to go wherever you send us. Whether it's down the street or across the globe. Father, we're tempted to respond like Jonah did. You say, arise and go, and we get up and we flee. We go as far away from your will as possible. Maybe some of us have done that even in our homes this morning by chasing sin being lured away from your presence. You have called us to be conformed to the image of your son, and we cannot do that if we wallow in sin. So we confess our sin to you, and we repent. We turn and ask you to forgive us, and we have confidence that you will in Christ. Father, I I beg of you, I beg of you, make us into a people who want nothing more than for the lost in our city to hear the gospel from us, not just in general, from us, and to respond in faith. Father, would you advance the gospel in the nations across our state through us, through our sacrifice, through the power of your grace in us, may your gospel go forth through us. May we respond in faith and obedience to your call. We know your grace is enough to do it in us. May we get on board. On your plan to go to Nineveh and may we never flee to Tarshish and thank you for Jesus that every time we run from your presence we are reminded he was cut off from your presence so that we can be brought in come back child come back you say through the gospel and so I pray that if any of us have been running that we would return because your grace never ceases to pursue us and chase us down It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I wanna invite you to stand as we respond through song.